Welcome back to Imani Talks Astrology. I am your host, Imani, and this is a real welcome back. (laughs) Yeah, hello. It's been maybe, what, like two years? I think, or maybe just one. I don't know. The last time um, I published something, but it wasn't a podcast, right? It was just a meditation But like, this is an actual podcast episode after a long hiatus and a lot of doubt um, that had to be sorted through. Yeah. Um, That's what I've been doing. Um, Yeah. It's good to be back. I think to just provide some context, like I reached a point in which the podcast did not feel fulfilling. I didn't have the energy, um, the inspiration or the ideas to really like, you know, connect to the astrology consistently in a way that felt really good. And it really sucked and it wasn't fun and I had to think about over the last year or so like what about astrology do I love what don't I like what do I want my practice to be um is this podcast something that I still see myself doing you know different things like that um and It's been difficult to re-record things because everything has really felt like a false start, you know? And I think I have a fear of giving up on something that's really, like, formulated in, like, the last couple of years. Um, Especially since, let's see, April of last year. So around the time that I released the meditation, I received a cute little... um, ADHD diagnosis and I then you know Virgo moon began to build a complex about the idea of like losing interest in something and I really kind of like dug into and kind of had this like weird inner turmoil about how serious I am about things and you know in a sense casting a lot of doubt um onto the future of any part of my astrological practice and I really needed to take the time to to work through that um but one of the things that's really real alivened my relationship to astrology has been you know building genuine community and genuine relationships with other astrologers going to Norwalk last year was such a life-changing experience and you know, having to rediscover um, my own brilliance, but also having to like rediscover my own um, bravery, 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 and ability to kind of like get back out there um, and do something and offer something. Um, yeah, and so that's where we are. The direction of the podcast is going to be very different um, in that. Oh, my nose. I'm going to try not to. This 
Also, as an aside, the whole ADHD thing. Now all the stimming I would do makes during the podcast makes so much sense because it wasn't, you know, I also have, you know, general anxiety. <laughs> all of the the tapping, the eating, the you know, all of it was just forms of like anxious stimming. I'm just like everything makes so much more sense now. Anyway, but yeah, so the direction has kind of changed a bit. We're going to spend, you know, each week talking a bit about different transits that are coming up uh, in the sky. If you can see by this episode, we're talking about Sun Saturn because this is a very exciting Sun Saturn event as it is the final Sun Saturn um, conjunction the final start of the Sun-Saturn synodic cycle with um, it within the signs of Saturn, more specifically with a sun in detriment in Aquarius and a domicile sun or a domicile Saturn in Aquarius. So we're going to get into that. Um, and I already have you know, a couple different episodes kind of planned, but we're going to go through it in a number of different ways. You know, I obviously have been reading people's charts, excuse me, and I, I'm so nervous because this episode, I'm going to share um, a part of a reading that I did with a client. And that will be something that I don't do all the time, but it will definitely be um, a part of some of the podcast episodes that I do um, share with you all. And so that's going to kind of be the approach moving forward. And I think a lot of it will kind of be a retrospective in a sense, um, a bit of kind of like cultural critique. Um, it depends on what aspect that I'm talking about, but we're just going to keep it flexible and we're going to kind of play with things. Um, and we're going to be going through, hmm, well, one, we'll talk a bit about it in this episode, Sun, Saturn, um, and what those two planets are. We'll talk through it through the perspective of me um, addressing a Sun-Saturn aspect on a lot of different levels um, through in this, well, let's kind of start here. In this excerpt from this reading I did with a client, I think over the summer, it looks like, honestly, when the sun was like opposing <laughs> their natal sun, um, the, we'll talk about it from the perspective of decennials, um, which are planetary decades. Um, we'll talk about a couple of different people who have sat sun, Saturn, uh, conjunction specifically natally. Um, I'll share my own experiences with the sun, Saturn, decennial, as well as sun, Saturn going through an angular house on top of my IC, which is like happening right now. Um, and then we'll finish off by talking about it in transit. 
Um, I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from a couple of different astrologers that I love, a little bit of Austin Kopic, a little bit of Sue Tompkins. So just get ready for that. I think this will be exciting. Um, all of this, of course, is centered around the Sun-Saturn conjunction that will be happening on February 16th at 27 degrees of Aquarius. Um, and we'll kind of go back into the future and explore some of the other things that you might want to look at and be a bit curious about. Um, I'll share a brief overview at the end of which houses this will be in for each sign. I don't, if I can my, make my brain give kind of more horoscope answers, I'm not going to push it, but like I might be able to, but don't, you know, don't expect it, but it might be there. Um, yeah. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get started with this clip from a reading um, with a client, as I said, was in the middle of a Sun-Saturn sub-period. Also, natal Sun-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. Solar return chart, Sun-Saturn in Aquarius, as well as their solar return or their Saturn return being um, culminating with this Sun-Saturn um, conjunction. So again, on so many levels, this person was experiencing this aspect, and I think it was very interesting, and I think it encapsulates a lot of the themes that we're going to talk about today. Like now you're in the, the Sun and Saturn. Um, which is also an aspect that you have in your chart, but also was at the time of your solar return this year, <laughs> another aspect, that aspect was in that chart too, because Saturn yeah. is in, um, Aquarius. Yeah. And so like, I don't, I don't know what like your relationship to your health has been, um, it's been dramatic. Yeah, I I mean, that, and that was I was like I'm not I'm not like someone who likes to like lean towards extremes, but there were a couple of things that I saw that I was like, okay, you know, because like the thing with Saturn, especially, I think it, it's very hard on the body, you know, okay. and like Saturn as a planet, it's it's obviously it's one of the slower moving planets, and like mm -hmm. what Saturn does is it starves and it depraves, so it move it's so it can kind of make one prone to exhaustion what mentally kind of came to like what came to mind is like yeah. I don't know if you if you watched Hercules like the movie as a child yeah okay yeah yeah when like he goes into like the spooky place with like the dead people and like yeah and like he you can see like him like his like life force like fading away yeah, from his totally. <laughs> like that's kind of like what came to mind so I think you know being very careful about the you know over over exerting yourself and and yeah. you know your your energy i don't know if there's like a condition that you have related to that or just in general yeah if you want a job and all the things yeah yeah Both. um yeah. so yeah you know being very aware of that and you know saturn you know has a bad <laughs> reputation but it's usually when we get to the point in which like we are feeling you know burnt out or you know as yeah. i like to kind of say like the result of our labor being exploited. Yeah, um, 100%. We, you know, we're pat, but by the time we get there, we have kind of 
went past the markers that have let us know where we needed to slow down. Um, yeah. So just kind of being aware of that, this is a cycle that you're going to be in up until 2024. But you know, I think the other kind of piece with Sun Saturn is it is a cycle that I think will be very resilience building, mm -hmm. not necessarily in the funnest way um, <laughs> either. And I think, I don't know if that's something that has also been kind of like a life experience as well, um, which we'll kind of talk about when we look specifically at your chart. Okay. Um, but like, you know, when I was interpreting, looking at your chart, but also going back to this, which is why I wanted to kind of start there. I was thinking yeah. of the song um, <laughs> Energy by Drake, which is the one where he's like, I got enemies, we got a lot of enemies. Like it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, um, it, it, it's definitely a space in which like, I think there's, if you have something in your life right now where you're like, this is where I'm focused and this is what I care about. This is what I'm crafting and this is what I'm building, especially because your son also rules your 10th house, you know, it, and it, it's very, um, you know, has that direct line and it, it's visible in that, in that way, which we'll kind of like look at, um, you know, it's, it's coming up across, coming up with, you know, I don't usually like to talk about haters, but like, I feel like this is a, 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 a placement that like does have haters. Maybe it's just like one or two, but like people who really just don't want to see you winning <laughs> or really are just like kind of dead set on trying to level you or kind of put you put you in your place you know yeah. and I think in a you know so I think that's something to kind of be aware of but I think what it provides is like a very in the long run what it does is it definitely creates and builds someone you know un unfortunately based on the way that our, our world is structured, there are a lot of things that we learn and build within ourselves through adversity. Um, yeah. And like, I think this is a, a cycle in which that is something to kind of, uh, to, to reckon with and, and deal mm -hmm. with. Um, it also, I think, um, I don't, you know, know what your, your relationship to your family is, but I think this is also like, you know, um, may be having to care for, or the, the lots of times it can be the father's health. That's something here, um, mm. as well. Um, yeah. uh, but also there's, um, one of the things that I love the most about this placement, as I kind of go to your chart is what I've seen is there's this way that you all seem very like entrenched and, and, uh, bound to family and legacy, especially because it's a conjunction in a way that like really is like difficult to separate yourself from where it's, you know, but yeah. I think with that also, and I think that kind of leads to a sense of taking on um, expectations um, that, you know, that you may not necessarily have really asked for, mm -hmm. but can't help but feel like you have some sort of obligation to. Um, and I feel like, you know, again, depending on from, from person to person, there's sometimes a way to kind of like honor that. I think, especially in like the, I've looked at like a lot of fashion designers, yeah. I can see the way that they've put it into their art, um, yeah. uh, which I think is really cool. Um, and then the other piece, is like there's also this way that there's this ability to kind of like abandon legacy um, as well um, yeah. in a way that may be very disappointing 
um, to, and you're just nodding your head in a way that may be disappointing to the father or even just the family in some sort of way, or maybe I'm reading my notes right now. Um, yeah. there may be some sort of a component to your private life or even how you conceptualize and relate to family. That's very different than the expectations of those that you are, are related to. Um, and I think that, that is, I think where I think this aspect is very powerful in one's chart. Um, and I think in a way, people talk about Aquarians as like, <laughs> as like loners, and that's not necessarily something that I really see. I feel like you all are kind of like, I'm comfortable with being alone, but like, I always find myself around people and there are always fans, you know what I mean? But it's like, I, you know, it's like, I, I like to make fun of you all where you're like, I'm just really different and it's like why are you around all of these people who are just like you then like why if you're so different anyway but like <laughs> but, you know I, I think but on some on some level I mean I, I there is a very kind of like private you know uh, you have a fourth house son so like there is this very kind of like private kind of component to to self and I think maybe in the ways that you you are very different using that very vague and broad word word yeah. are kind of like though that is the way you those are kind of held very very close to the heart um in a way that may not necessarily be shown to other people or that you're willing to allow too many people to have access to so it's like i'm so different but it's like whispered instead of it being like yelled you know yeah. um <laughs> i'll pause because i know i said a, a lot of different things if there's anything that you want to add or kind of kind of speak to you're speaking so many truths right now. And I'm just like resounding, like hearing everything you're saying, especially on the family stuff and the expectation. And I don't know how many like specific details about my life you care to hear about or are relevant to this reading, or if it's more about just rolling, but just know that everything you're saying is landing very like. Yeah. I mean, if there's, if there's anything that you feel compelled to share, cause sometimes like when people talk, it's like, I'll just be like, okay, I like you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're giving your, you're providing context about the placement or the placement is showing totally. up through story. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I think especially like the family, you know, moon and Capricorn people typically, you know, have circumstances in, in their family, whether it's, um, who was raising them or the circumstances around how they were raised that may kind of differ um, yeah. from quote unquote, what is normal, um, right. you know, um, what was I going to say? Rejecting. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think especially in, in again, because like this, like there's this echo of this sun Saturn across like three different <laughs> things that I've looked at, so, like your chart itself, the Saturn yeah. return yeah. and the decennial. I think one of the things to, to note and just to kind of talk, you know, as astrology in a sense, like yeah. Saturn is the only planet that cannot be combusted by the sun. Mm. And so there is a, a power that Saturn has over the sun that other planets just don't. Well, with the exception of like the modern planets, but let's pretend those aren't real. I'm yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, and so like, I feel like there's a bit of like a, I think about like the, the warrior who has been able to defeat everyone except one person, right? Yeah. And how it's like, 
I can defeat everything and everyone except you. You know what I mean? And like yeah. the, the the way that that can kind of be, you know, a bit of kind of like an ego blow in a sense. But I yeah. think you have to be careful of, you know, in this like attempt to, there's nothing wrong with proving yourself to, to you, right? And mm-hmm. like showing yourself that you absolutely are capable of the things that maybe you were told that you're not, or, you know, I can imagine that that literally is probably an experience that that's been there again. Like the, this is like the lots of people are haters and naysayers kind of aspect. Um, But I think it's another thing to, uh, to, uh, to have like a deep, like investment in trying to prove someone wrong. Right. Again, like whether that be, I, you know, I say family, but I think that's also related to like chosen family too. So like yeah. if there are people in your life that are like family to you, yeah. um, you know, that, you know, whether those be close friends or, or otherwise, and you, they may have, you know, I can imagine if like you, like you, there's like a, a spectrum, right? There are people that we can be very close to that like they don't really need to be in our lives. And there are people yeah. who we are really close to that still sometimes don't necessarily have and see the vision that we do. Yeah. And they kind of try, may not not try like in a malicious way, but like kind of like kind of cast a little bit of doubt. Um, yeah. And that can kind of, you know, so like if you've experienced either of those things and like this attempt to be like, well, no, like I can prove and I can show that that's not true and that I'm different, um, you know, just being very kind of cautious of that. And I think, you know, especially because you have Chiron in the 10th and that Chiron is ruled by that sun and is in this opposition there. I, I get, you know, people, lots of times people talk about Chiron as like the wounded healer, which like is accurate. But like, I think there's also like a piece with, with Chiron about futility. Okay. Like to me, I, are you familiar with the tarot? Love tarot. So like, it makes me think about the five of swords. Okay. Um, where it's like, there are things in life that are just kind of feel very lose, lose. And so it's like kind of reminding yourself when you get into that space of like, especially like if you, if you come into any like misses, right. Or like, you know, like we're these, again, going back to the idea of like the, the warrior who has like fought everyone and can defeat everyone except that one person. Mm -hmm. Like if you find yourself really like ruminating or like digging into like those types of experiences, like that is a moment to kind of like understand and see like you know, there are people and, and experiences where you can get everything right and do everything perfectly. And you can check off everything that's on your box and everything that will make you feel deeply fulfilled. And there will still be someone that has something to say. And there will still be someone who will be like, well, you didn't do it like this, or you did it at this age instead of this age, you know? And so like having that awareness. And I think with that, that's just like, I think especially over this time, um, especially throughout your Saturn return, because I think this will be a really big Saturn, is probably has been a big Saturn return theme for you, um, is like, how do you reckon with and deal with a very, frankly, harsh inner critic? So now that we've kind of talked through 
or you've listened to this excerpt from this reading, um, which was full of many ums. I'm sorry. I just, I can't help it. What is the sun and what is Saturn? And maybe that's something that we should have started with, but let's kind of dig into that now. I can imagine that there are some ideas swirling in your mind. The sun is a planet that I think we're all pretty familiar with what our sun sign is. It's a planet of vitality. It's about life. It's about awareness, more specifically where our awareness is drawn to, um, as well as what we find important, thus what we are seeking um, and invested in. While Saturn is a planet of process and planning, it's a planet of time, aging, maturity, fear. Um, Some of the words that I use to describe Saturn in this reading um, were that it depraves and that it extracts, right? Um, And that it's a planet that um, really forces us to kind of slow down, but also kind of thinking about the painting of like Saturn eating his son. (laughs) It is a youth devourer, right? Um, And it can, in a lot of ways, suck the life out of things. Sun and Saturn, in terms of rulership, naturally oppose each other with the sun ruling the sign of Leo and the Saturn ruling Aquarius. Saturn, by rulership, opposes both of the luminaries or lights, which are the sun and moon, respectively. So we also find that when the Saturn is in Capricorn, it opposes the moon. I want to read um, some of the notes from uh, Austin Kopic's talk last year that he did at Norwalk called 36 Dramas. I will mention this a lot, and I mention it in my Instagram story all the damn time. Um, and he it calls it the battered crown, um, a test of endurance, no trial by fire, but a marathon capable of enduring or negation and writes that the sun is going to be damaged by the presence of Saturn and not the opposite. And so this is kind of what I was talking about when I I spoke to this client and was, was saying that like, it is the one planet that the sun cannot burn, that it, that cannot be combusted by it. Um, in horror, when we see on the ascendant and descendant, especially if there's like relationship questions or like questions related to a case. Usually we'll find an instance in which there is a dynamic in which there is a mutual harm that is experienced by the presence of the sun and Saturn um, planets or within that relationship, right? So in a way, Saturn is going to be a bit scorched, Um, and irritated by the presence of the sun, but also Saturn is going to be a bit of a downer and a bit of an extractor um, of life, of excitement, of joy, of vitality from the sun. And both of these planets traditionally have this association um, with fathers. And so a lot of the things that can kind of come up in this are the relationship to the father and feeling a need to or 
in the shadow of a father's legacy while attempting to make one of your own, which is something that I did find in this client in which she was talking about being a musician and her father also being a musician and having to create and carve out a unique form of artistry that is her own and separate from his legacy. Um, you know, not being a Nepo baby. I'm joking. This is not a Nepo baby. <laughs> At least not in the like, you know, Will Smith or, you know, Lily Rose Depp, um, Kaya Gerber kind of sense, right? Like this is this is something different. And so, you know, as I kind of mentioned throughout this, this is a planet and this is a, an aspect in which there can be like lots of like hater shit that somebody is um, experiencing and often being, you know, plotted against um, or finding that there are people who are looking to diminish your personal sense of authority or trying to muddy out or, you know, deny the light and shine of what you find important. All of the ways in which you're looking to stand out um, can be usurped by parents or other authority figures in your life or people who you trust and see as um, role models. Um, you know, that's a kind of piece of that. One of the things that I loved <laughs> about what Austin said is like a waste of all paternal inheritance, which I thought to be really, really interesting because I saw this, especially when I look at the charts of um, people who are part of marginalized genders in particular, um, is this, actually, no, I'm not even gonna say that because one of my examples that I'm gonna give um, is is someone who, you know, it, it, that's not even what's kind of going on there. But I will say that there is, a, you know, what I have noticed in terms of like people who are part of marginalized genders is like a relationship to patriarchy and patriarchal dominance that they are seeking to overcome and separate themselves from. But generally speaking, we can see people moving away from the conventions of what one expects um, respective to their assumed um, gender um, is something that I've also kind of seen there. Or even in relation to what one's culture, what one's ancestry um, values. Um, but also there is a way that they are uh, exemplify the values of one's culture. But it may be very hard fought. Um, yes. Some of the words from Sue Tompkins... Um, aspects in astrology are self-denial, self-discipline, self-control, self-defense, importance of authority, illumination of fears, importance of time. I think this is really funny because, you know, my dad is a Sun-Saturn person. He has Sun in Taurus, Saturn in Taurus. And this is him through and through, in which there have been numbers of times throughout his career in which, you know, being overlooked um, or diminished um, or actively being plotted against um, to keep him out of career milestones, um, as well as just dealing with a lot of weird issues with like older men, especially like older white men who feel very like threatened by him. 
um, and his sense of authority and his trust and belief in himself, but also the way that he is regarded in our family as such an example of like, you know, the embodiment of black manhood, of fatherhood, um, of success, of accomplishment, of, you know, regardless of how you like personally or politically kind of feel about this, of like upward mobility of quote unquote black excellence and being able to defy and transcend a lot of really, you know, dire circumstances, whether it be poverty, whether it be, you know, experiences with a unstable household, not being raised by either parent, you know, a lot of different things like that um, are such a part of his life story. And like one of the things that uh, kind of comes up a lot in talking to him, you know, he talks regularly about fear and he talks a lot about bravery um, and what it means to seek um, and overcome things that are difficult and in a lot of ways, it can be kind of annoying and reductive of while wow, he's just like, well, you just have to do it. And one of the un- kind of annoying manifestations of like this importance of time, is he's like, you're in your most creative part of your life right now. I'm like, I don't believe that to be true. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. And I'm just like, dude, look, okay, like there are a lot of people. Ava DuVernay did not even pick up a camera until she was post-Saturn return. There are so many people who are very brilliant and talented and creative after, <laughs> after their 20s. So like, stop it. And so there is this really important um, value that he places on... Um, being an upstanding person um, and making something of yourself and making something of your life and overcoming hardship, you know, is definitely like a such like, again, like to every typical dad platitude that you can think of is something that my dad has said. Um, And yeah. And I think there's also, and and I think too that there is this telling it like it is quality to this placement that isn't necessarily friendly. And it can be either like admirable or annoying. Obviously, like when it's like your parent, it's annoying. But I also know that a lot of the people, you know, he was uh, in the Navy. So a lot of the young sailors that he worked with, it is something that's very admirable. And there are things that have like lived in, you know, he lived on in people um, as things that he said, as they, you know, even in the very like deadpan way that he kind of talks and describes things. It's very evident that he cares and wants to see people win and wants to see them um, accomplishing things. And by nature of having these experiences with people throughout his life, trying to undermine what is possible for him, you know, he has the deep sense of duty to cultivate that into other people. I remember him telling me a story about him, you know, talking to a like stud, a, st- a sailor who is a stud, you know, like, just a black lesbian. Um, who was going on a cruise with her mother and had recently like come out and was like, I don't know what to talk to my mom about on this and like was giving so much kind of guidance and reassurance. He's also a Capricorn moon. I love, I love, I love a debilitated moon. There's something that they 
this is such an aside, but there's something that they know about care and nourishment and what people need, um, specifically from a place of not having received that, that is just so deeply warming, right? And we wouldn't think of like a sign of Saturn as warming, um, but that that presence is definitely there. Anyway, um, and giving so much reassurance of like, you know, you'll you'll find what that thing is, but it's important to go and make that step um, of given what it can do for your relationship, regardless of how uncomfortable it is. It's an opportunity to get close to one another and to build a relationship at this new found um, version um, and embodiment of self, which I thought was very beautiful for him to, to share. As I know that he talks to me like this as well, so it's nice to see that he does it to other people. One of the other, so just to kind of get into a couple of other examples, and these are fun ones, um, Nicholas Gesquier, um, who is currently the creative director at um, Louis Vuitton Women's Wear. Ooh, love, love, love. Um, sun, also Sun Saturn in the 11th whole sign house with Venus in detriment in Aries um, in the 10th house. He's a Cancer rising. And so, you know, one of the things here is from an, a young age, you know, knowing that he wanted to be a designer, knowing that there was this kind of sensibility, um, this fashionable sensibility that his mother had, Venus in the 10th house, 10th house representative of the mother, that really instilled this desire to design um, within him. And it's something that he worked at from a very young age. And I think that's also the other thing that's very admirable about Sun Saturn people. When they have their mindset on something, they're like, hey, I'm going to do this and and a, have an unparalleled and kind of unmatched desire to like have a discipline and a practice around something, even at a young age. Um, I am doing Googling because I wanted to look up the age when he first um started age 12 <laughs> he was sketching and sketching designs in his school books and making dresses out of his mother's curtain and designing earrings out of his grandmother's chandelier crystals and by 14, he had his first internship at a house. <laughs> so by the time he was at his first um, Saturn, I'm sorry, his second, or I think by that time, that would be at the point of his Saturn opposition. He already had an internship. Um, and I think in a piece there is like taking on this inspiration from the mother that I think is very, very interesting. Um, you know, he is, I haven't read a lot about this, but he is gay. Um, and I can imagine being born in 1971 and at a very young age, having sensibilities that are very different from the... Um, expectations, uh, gendered expectations um, one might have around them <clears throat> during that time. And one of the things that I found really interesting transit-wise for him, so prior to him being a designer um, at Louis Vuitton, um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I Going back to what I was saying, it would have been at a Saturn. Oh, no, I was right. Um, at his first Saturn square. Um, and so what we find is so prior to his work at Louis Vuitton, he was the designer that revitalized the Balenciaga um, uh, house. There were, I believe, two designers before them. But, you know, they weren't it wasn't hidden the same way. Um, and so really revitalizing the house and really kind of securing this um, uh, place as an authority and kind of trusted figure um, in fashion and in terms of the design um, that he, uh, in terms of his designs, um, and being a reputable name, especially among uh, other fashion circles. And so in leaving this, and I think this kind of going back to what we were saying about authorities, one of the things that really fueled him leaving the house was his inability to make clothes that weren't just, you know, commercial and to be sold in store, but really being able to com completely execute um, his uh, vision um, of clothing. A lot of the clothes that he would create would be dramatically altered to be sold in stores. Um, but it also seemed like there were some other types of issues at the uh, Caring, which is the company that owns Balenciaga, um, that also seemed to prompt this exit. And this happened around, uh, wow, it, when Saturn was in Scorpio, during a Sun-Saturn opposition. And then a year later, he would enter the role that he currently serves at Louis Vuitton as a creative director. One of the things that I also find really interesting about his work is that there is this theme of time travel and like futurism that he embeds into his work at Louis Vuitton, which I think is really, really fascinating and interesting. So again, going back to this kind of piece of like, um, time being such a Saturnian thing, um, really loving, loves using like brutalist architecture as kind of like the background and like landscape of his work. I believe Dune was also an inspiration in like a pretty recent collection. I, that also may have been somebody else and I'm attributing that to the wrong person. Um, one of the shows that I really loved was the one that he had at the, the Louis Vuitton Cruise show. I think it was Cruise 2023. So it was around this time last year or during later, um, early in the spring in which it was at the Salk Institute in La Jolla. So it was just very dope. Again, you know, the clothing had like, uh, you know, like the heat detection um, and all of these very interesting and futuristic shapes. I think one of the things that's really cool is that he pulls from the 1960s. So like, you know, Space Odyssey um, and all of the interesting um, spacey mod kind of fashions that were kind of seen as quote unquote futuristic um, as reference points for him shaping and envisioning the future. So I think that's also a really kind of interesting and cool way to see how this uh, this kind of Sun Saturn time piece manifests um, for him. Another person who's also a designer is Virgil Abloh, um, who has Sun Saturn in Libra. So here we have this one is fun because it's an, an exiled um, sun in Libra or um, fallen sun in Libra and then an exalted Saturn in Libra. 
Um, and then he has Venus and Leo. I just want to say that because that's the planet that's ruling um, both of these planets. And there is this really cute mutual reception between them. And then there was this quote that I pulled from him. My dad is a Ghanaian immigrant and he wants a son who was an engineer. Um, and I think when, a, so going back to this kind of like abandoning of patriarchal um, paternal inheritance <clears throat> is, you know, again, typical like stereotype of like having an immigrant <laughs> <laughs> you know, being a part of an immigrant family and the desire for you to embody, again, what it means to be successful to make, you know, in this very kind of, uh, you know, pretty like capitalistic, typical kind of sense, American dream, quote unquote. And one of the things that I think is really cool and interesting about Virgil that's very evident in his work prior to his death is that he clearly enmeshed himself into the culture of the America, specifically black American culture, but also him being, you know, someone who at a very young age was like a skater and, you know, um, played soccer. Um, and so it's very interesting kind of seeing throughout his life, this way that he's kind of like straddling this fence between like, um, being, you know, an African immigrant, um, child living in the United States, but also this very strong embracing of the cultures that are present. And we see this a lot, I think, in his work too, in which his work at Louis Vuitton, more Louis Vuitton people, what is up with Louis Vuitton and the, the Sun Saturn people? <clears throat> Uh, one of the other things kind of seeing there is like there this way that he built oh that's the other fun thing um built this kind of like did this world building process of really being able to embed into it um african culture um black culture as a whole you know the the garments that he's creating are so strongly based on streetwear, but also a lot of things related to childhood um, and boyhood. By boyhood, boyhood ideology is something that's very, very important here. And so it's very interesting how this is kind of manifested as this kind of like tribute to youth um, when we think about this relationship between sun. And Saturn with the sun being this sense of like vitality and youth and Saturn being about aging and maturity. And one of the core themes that he talks about in this kind of world building practice that he did with his work at Louis Vuitton is like wanting to create clothing that is inspired by the way that we perceive the world as children prior to by being like indoctrinated by like adulthood and like the need to grow up so it's very kind of like neverland and we see this in like the invitations and the show sets of embedding all of these things like toys really bright um, bright colors embedding things like skate culture again like hip-hop and other kind of forms of like streetwear all of these very like nostalgic kind of like time capsules related to blackness um related to again hip-hop and streetwear culture um throughout the 80s up into the 2000s which i think is really really cool and then of course you know saturn rules architecture which is why i kind of laughed when i was talking about building so again like this component related to world building he is an architect by trade and so it's very interesting to see how his work 
um, and what he does, you know, like Sun Saturn is like literally, hi, I'm an architect. <laughs> but like really being able to like operate through that in this very Libran way where it's like, let's do it. Let's do it in design. Let's architect. Let's build a world. Let's build this framework around ideas um, and have that then be communicated in a visual language that isn't just a building, but is clothing, um, as well as so many other things as well. The other um, example I have here is an interesting one. It's Mia Khalifa, um, who has also has Sun Saturn in Aquarius. So it's the same as what we're looking at in transit. Um, one of the things here for those who do not know who Mia Khalifa is I think at this moment in time she's like an influencer I don't know what she does that's not like shade I'm just saying like I'm unsure she just seems to do a lot of things and like wear really interesting clothes which I love you know Venus in Aries um but at one point of course she was an adult film star and I think one of the things that's interesting that I never knew was that it wasn't even a very long period of her life in fact It looked like it was only maybe about three, two or three years. And like, I, I think that's the thing that's really interesting. Um, I, I was listening to her on a podcast with M. Rada. Please don't ask questions. I'll just be listening to stuff um, because she's someone who's interesting to me. And also M. Rada is an interesting figure to me as well. Um Anyway, but the thing that kind of like catapulted her into like being an overnight sensation was doing porn in a hijab. And so one of the things that emerged from this, again, going back to this theme of also just being like abandoned um, by one's kind of like family or going to kind of like war at one's family is being her being like um, one banned from Lebanon. <laughs> In addition to um, her family publicly um, disconnecting themselves from her as well. And finding, I think, very recently in what she's mentioned is how difficult it's been for her to um, work through the way that who that this reputation sun is a reputation planet um and this part of her life has not been something that she has been able to kind of like escape even though it was such a small chapter of her life but the staying power that it has one of course on the internet but also the way that the experience has wounded her in terms of the connection that it has to her family and the connection that she has to herself um, is something that she talked about. I definitely would encourage you to listen to that podcast episode. It was really good. So what I wrote here is like dealing with patriarchy um, as kind of like a defining part as like, and going back to what I was saying about like people who are doing something outside of like the standards of what is normative for them or the expectations of one culturally 
um, you know, it kind of uh, dealing with how women are traditionally viewed and thus the expectations of her culturally. Um, and I think it's interesting because, of course, she is in her Saturn return um, at this time. Um, and I think, you know, it is. What else did I want to say here? Oh, the astrology piece. So Jupiter was opposite her Saturn, as well as a Saturn square to her natal Sun Saturn conjunction um, were happening in the time in the sky at the time of um, her porn going viral. The other example is Audrey Lord, who also is another natal Sun Saturn person. And I think uh, going back to like themes of like patriarchy and like defying the standards and ideals of what one's gendered expectations are, um, her being, you know, a lesbian writer, um, being a part of the Kambahi River Collective, which I believe most of the women in this group were queer, most if not all. Um, and I think existing with you know the the essay about the master's tools was written um as an as she was an academic and experiencing her alongside other black women a lot of difficulties and pushback um from the institution and coming to this realization that the institution will never be defeated via academia um, through the institution, you know, again, thus this, you can't dismantle the master's house with master's tools being a phrase that comes up from her. And so again, I think that really embodies the sun Saturn fight that I think that I've kind of spoken to where there may be an attempt to, I don't even want to say fight fire with fire. Cause I don't think that that's kind of what's going on, but again, like attempting to use the master's tools, you know, I, I think about again, going back to Saturn, eating his son, um, Saturn, himself was eaten by his father as well and then goes on to deal with his own insecurities around the authority coming from his children by doing the exact same thing um and it then continuing this kind of sisyphusian um never-ending cycle um, of this turmoil between father and son and this battle between father and son, which again, we can kind of see with Saturn, Sun Saturn. In addition to her writing about self-care, um, in the midst of dealing with a terminal illness, there's a piece related to, I haven't looked at the astrology for Virgil, and we also don't have his birth time, um, unfortunately, because of course, as we know, he also died from cancer, just like Audrey Lord. Um, uh, and there's this piece going back to the depravity um, and the terminal nature of illness, the type of illness that slowly depraves and slowly takes life. You know, cancer is the point in which the body's cells can no longer fight, um, quote unquote, uh, I don't have a better word. I do apologize. Kind of like foreign entities within it. Um, and so it is in this process of like slow um, decay. Um, 
Anyway, and so, you know, writing this, you know, quote, for lack of a better word, manifesto about self-care that has been bastardized and turned into a thousand different one things that have nothing to do with it um, is also very, I think, Sun-Saturn in that pie to talk about the radical nature of self-care. Okay, now, just to kind of get into... Actually, okay, I'm gonna take a break because I need to drink water. Um, the next two things we're gonna do, I wanna talk about my own personal experiences um, with Sun Saturn as I'm like going through it right now, but also just kind of got out of a Sun Saturn decennial um, in April of last year, literally the day after my dad's birthday. Just noticed that. Interesting. Okay, well, I will be back in a second. All right, and we're back and hopefully wrapping this up in 15 minutes. That's that's the goal. I think, you know, Jupiter ruled Mercury. I know how to ramble. Um, so basically, you know, I wanted to kind of close things out you know, sharing personal experience with this, um, which I, you know, I think you'll see that it kind of mirrors a lot of the different uh, themes that we've already talked about. And I think kind of go, go home with those. And then I'll talk about this in transit and where you can expect this to land in your birth chart. So you know, I just discovered planetary decades or decennials um, last year at Norwalk, Austin Topic, again, amazing astrologer. Um, and I found out that I was in, I had just left a Saturn decennial. I'm in a, a Sun Saturn subperiod. I'm in a Saturn decennial that will be coming to an end. I believe by the time I'm like 31 or something like that, thank God. And I think I'm moving into either, let's see, Mercury. Exciting. Astrology. Um, So October, from October 4th, 2020 to April 26th, 2022. And I think one of the things that was very defining about this period of life for me, is that I was in this very kind of aesthetic um, period of life. And like to define that, it's characterized by suggesting the practice of severe self-discipline and abstination from all forms of indulgence. I wouldn't say all forms of indulgence, but definitely most. Um, in terms of like, I completely stopped drinking. I completely stopped dating. I completely... I for real decided to be celibate um you know no drinking no drugs vegan um you know at that point I was maybe like three months into that type of practice and really intentionally focusing on meditation focusing on the body and I think you know kind of going back to like Sun Saturn themes really thinking about like what gives me a sense of vitality and what types of the way that I need to kind of grow up 
um, and things that I kind of need to commit to, to ensure that I'm able to kind of protect that sense of vitality and to protect what is important to me um, in terms of like my astrology, in terms of my life and my relationships, um, and eventually, you know, artistic practice. And I think a really big thing that kind of emerged from that is what is realizing that how much some, how much so much of like those issues uh, were like rooted in this like deep, like deep uncovering um, of like uh, personal trauma, but also like ancestral trauma as well. And so I think on the outside, of me, this was a very anticlimactic experience in which I can imagine people on the outside looking in were like, it looks like you're not doing anything, in which like it just became like one thing after another, in which it was like less and less and less, just kind of dropping things off of my plate. You know, I think this is also something that I experienced at work, taking on less responsibility. And we'll kind of talk about that as well. But I just knew that there was just so much shedding happening internally. And then again, like I said, issues related to family being highlighted and a realization of how like deep familial trauma and I think shame went as well. Um, that was definitely something that was there, was uncovering the root of a lot of shame um, from childhood, shame about what uh, was possible for me career-wise, not feeling good enough, feeling very defeated, also having a lot of issues with managers kind of started to happen around this time as well and really began to like intensify um, in terms of struggling with my workplace. Um, I think, you know, a, a part of it is feeling very different from my family and feeling very off put and like bothered by their behavior and coming into this awareness of who I don't want to be, but also kind of coming into this awareness of like how all of the ways that I was similar and kind of morphing into this very um, unembodied version of self and very, very separate from what I actually um, desired out of, out of life, you know, especially when it comes to working. I think one of the things that's been the the most difficult and frustrating during this Saturn decennial for me has been all of the issues related to like work um, and like capitalism as a whole. And like, you know, going through these leaps of like, well, what is the most responsible thing to do? What is the thing that will be respected by family? What is the thing that will be respected by my culture, quote unquote, um, in a way that doesn't ruffle too many feathers, right? Very like, seat at the table type shit, you know? So I went from, you know, go thinking that I wanted to go to law school and eventually work in politics um, and kind of going on the pathway to do that and then being like, eh, well, you know, then I'm like, eh, nonprofit world. Um, having, again, these like weird fucked up like power dynamic issues and the in that as well, like that has just been an ongoing theme. It's just like the issues with authority figures, you know, um, and then, you know, leaving the nonprofit industry, feeling very burnt out and feeling very, you know, 
um, unappreciated and drained fucking dry. And like, honestly, the realization of the, the racism, the classism, and all of the other isms that are so deeply entrenched in the nonprofit industrial complex and feeling very like disillusioned from that. And then re-entering corporate America and then feeling even more disillusioned about higher education. And so I think, you know, at that point, I believe at the beginning of this cycle, I had gotten a, uh, a like 10% raise. It was wild. And I had gotten promoted. And honestly, it was all downhill from there, especially as I was having a lot of issues with my mental health and well-being. Kind of like the culminating piece um, in April um, at the end of this decennial is learning that I had ADHD and depression and anxiety. (laughs) And like, that is just so Sun Saturn where it's like, realizing all of the different ways I think especially in which you're fighting with the mind and fighting this kind of like invisible um battle um and this weight that you feel on top of you and inside of you and it honestly this really was a point in which it just made so much make sense where the shame was coming from where the feeling of failure, I think, is a really big Sun Saturn theme was kind of coming from. Um, and like feeling as if there was needs, um, obviously, around like my ability to shine and embody my like truest self, you know, um, how that was not completely, how the ways in which that was neglected and the ways in which, um, uh, the attempts to like usher and push me into maturity, um, into development, into overcoming was largely through um, shaming behavior um, and how like that really does like a damper on one's self-esteem. And so I think, you know, a lot of this also, I think very during this time, I think this is also another Sun-Saturn thing is like how unlikable I was during this time, um, specifically to my family. <laughs> In the midst of like realizing a lot of things and being more kind of like aware of what's going on inside of me, as well as what's happening in the world. And like this attempt to unlearn and not pass on harmful and outdated and ideas and beliefs, there's a bit of kind of like a curmudgeonly finger wagging energy that kind of came from that. And I think, you know, one of the things that I think has been echoed in my mind um, from a Saturnian person, hello, Christina, um, is saying is you are not the hero. Yikes. And I say that it says like the sun Saturn is kind of culminating in my fourth house. And it's like you, it is not your job to save people. No one asked you to save them. Um, you are not the great arbiter of change that you think you are. And like, it's like, damn, that really is true. Um, And having to, like, be 
okay with that. And so uh, one of the biggest things is like having to come into this realization around like, okay, like you cannot change out people outside of you um, and how you operate within that in a scope in which like people cannot change and they don't want to change. But in many ways, they're also like hurting you you know, um, and not in a way that I would say is like a no, con obviously like a no contact kind of situation, but just kind of in the ways that families can be. Um, so what can I do and what is possible? And I think a really big thing, again, this is happening in my fourth house for me is it's made me think so much about like my own family that I want to build and have and like the values that I would like to, you know, embody with a partner and like instill in my children and the awareness of the types of harms that I do not want to spread and the types of things that I do know um, now that I think will make a really big difference. But I think also there's this kind of piece of the sadness, sadness of knowing that that moment is not now and also not knowing when that will be. I think there is this kind of component to melancholy that kind of sits in the background um, of Sun Saturn stuff especially if you're working at something. And again, like I said, all of this work, there's this deep shedding, there's all of this transformation that's happening on the inside that isn't necessarily being outside and doesn't necessarily outside manifest at this time. So it's like, what can I do? It doesn't even matter, you know? Um, and so like, that's kind of the, one of the ways that I've been dealing with that. So again, you know, for everyone, and so maybe some of these themes will seem pretty relevant to you all. And so again, this is occurring February 16th, which is the day after that this is being published at 27 degrees of Aquarius. And as I said earlier, it's the final Sun-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. Um, and I think it is again major for this reason that like the Sun is detriment and Saturn is in its domicile. So it is super special um, in that this is a Sun that is operating from a deficit and is not necessarily the most resourced. And I think that kind of speaks to what I'm saying, where it's like, well, damn, there's not necessarily anything that I could do about this right now, but I'm trying. And I think, you know, the tone of Saturn is definitely going to really shift um, as at the beginning of next month, it moves into Pisces. Um, and I think that will make a really big difference. One of the things that I want to read, because we love reading here, um, is from 36 Faces by Austin Kopik. And I want to read what he says about Saturn as well as the sun in the third deacon. Aquarius. He refers to it as the knot. Isn't that fun? While the first deacon of Aquarius entailed exile to the frontier and the second face established dialogue between the periphery and the core, the third face of Aquarius sees its figures considering forsaking the known altogether. Isn't that fun? Yet this decision is fully, to fully embrace the unknown is not easy for karmic ties, one tight and its knots complex and durable. 
It is the Seven of Swords, which represents this deacon in the Rider Waite Tarot. On it, a sly man sneaks away from an encampment carrying five swords, while two other blades lie abandoned. Called Unstable Effort in Book T and Futility by Aleister Crowley in the Thoth Book of the, or the Book of Thoth. It signifies departure from a situation, yet the man's escape disguises the struggle which this face entails, for it is not a simple severance. The swords the figure absconds with suggest that he has not left penniless, but has instead paused to collect what is of value before departing. As Crowley states in the Book of Thoth, there is a vacillation, a wish to compromise, a certain toleration, the choice to abandon the situation, the process of obtaining what swords may be salvaged is not simple, but arises out of long vacillation and consideration. The image of the man leaving the encampment is thus the product of this face, not the complex process which is the result of it. One aspect of the tension found here is a slowly growing disgust and frustration with the state of things. This effect is made plain in several of the older images of this deacon, many of which depict wrathful and insulating figures. Ibn Ezra describes an angry, restless man pacing about. Agrippa in his three books of occult philosophy describes a black and angry man. I don't know what that means, but we gonna move on and adds the signification of this in the expressing insolence and imprudence. The Picatrix also notes that this is the face of insulting behavior. Though those who pace this deacon are well aware of the problems with their world and prone to tirades about its weaknesses and critiques of its imperfections. Yay! Thus, both ill-tempered and disillusionment are found here, yet these states are necessarily preludes. You know, I'm going to stop there because I think that embodies one of the things that's like emerged I think so much about Saturn as like technology and Saturn and Aquarius particularly. I've thought about like Orkor or like Nishtak, um, which are all like TikToks that are so like, hello babes, like we're in late, late stage capitalism. Everything is terrible and are, is incredibly nihilistic. And I think this is the culmination of a lot of like sick and tired of being sick and tired feelings that people have. Um, there has been a lot of tragedy that has happened within the last week. We have the oil spill in East Palestine. Um, we have a mass shooting that just happened at Michigan State University. Um, there's just some really funky, weird, fucked up political shit that's going on. Um, I'm probably missing a long list of the other things, you know, they just shot down some UFOs and so now aliens will never come save us. You know, there are a lot of things happening and it's like, I'm so annoyed and so tired of all of this and what will ever change and do things have to get worse before they change, but also kind of running up against people in your life who may be like, yeah, you know, it is what it is, and not necessarily taking in the fullness of how the world is right now. And, you know, I think this is very interesting because the next image um, 
connected to the deacon that Saturn will be in when it enters Pisces, which is the eight of cups represented one, is also representing a figure that's leaving. And so there is this, I think, process here that it really is kind of packing up this like old version and this old way of life um, in respect to the future. One of the ways that I've talked about Saturn and Aquarius, maybe I'll release this video now that Saturn and Aquarius is over, is it talked about building temporalities of the future um, and asking the question like what even is the future, right? And this realization that the future is this old thing. Going back to Nicholas Guesquier and the way that his clothing references the 1960s um, space age um, as a means of communicating the future, projecting the future um, through some sort of visual language. Um, here is the sitting in the, is the word milieu? Here we go, using big words and not knowing even. Um, I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, ah, yes. The milieu. A person's social environment of um, kind of apocalyptic um, things. And I think, you know, on a lot of levels, you know, uh, uh, thank you, Mash, for, for kind of illuminating this, if you are listening. Like, sometimes we're just, like, on the receiving end of, like, what is going on in the world. Like, that is the mundane transit for us. And so I think that may be something that we're feeling is, like, a sadness of knowing, like, this is not okay, and I don't know what it is that I can do or if this will ever change. I think may be something that we all may be feeling the weight of this week and for quite some time. Um, but I do think that Sun, I mean, Saturn moving into Pisces, I think will make a really big difference um, in uh, how we feel and what's possible. And I think, again, going back to this idea of visual language, I think that there will be lots of ways that this may be communicated in art. And I think using art as space to envision um, this what now, this what's next. Um, and I think in a lot of ways provide the assurance that one needs to really like leave behind and abandon what is no longer relevant culturally, familially, personally, you know, um, and like, be really serious about that. Um, and I think in a sense, an opportunity to kind of mourn a world or a perception of the world that maybe we once had that we can't ever um, return back to. This is sounding really dark, but I, I, I'm gonna kind of go with it because I do think that that is kind of what I'm, I'm feeling and, and experiencing with this. But again, kind of going back to some of the things that we talked about earlier, 
um, of themes to kind of look for. I will say Adam Ellenboss has a really great video about this. And I'm, I'm just annoyed because I hate watching things before I record something. Because I'm like, am I copying this person? I'm like, no. Like, you, I've had these notes for like the last two weeks. <laughs> it's not that difficult to come up with these things. But it is like a, a hater transit. It's one in which, you know, again, you can have difficult relationships with like your father um, or other paternal figures, difficult relationships, again, with authorities. Um, and I think in a, in a way that you're kind of being called to kind of confront fears. What are the fears that we feel of like leaving something behind? What does it mean to say no um, to something that seems like a sure thing or seems like it will do um, be the thing that we need when we know that it's not enough you know I think that's like the piece with the Saturn with the sun and Aquarius where it's like this thing I don't this thing is in good shape what you're giving me what you're offering me um, it makes a lot of sense it may be uh, connected to what I'm seeking what I'm trying to make what I desire but it's not enough it's not the thing. I am not resourced well in this. It's kind of like being asked to sell your soul in a sense, right? And being able to determine the place where you're not willing to do that. Um, just to kind of go through the houses. If you're an Aquarius, this is happening in your first house. So I, I, you know, I think a big thing that I've noticed with Aquarians, so many Aquarius risings, is like taking yourself seriously and coming into a certain amount of personal authority that you have and I think they're here it's like the willingness to be uncompromising about that and like being willing to say a hard no and I think that's a theme for everyone so it's kind of like new um, beginnings related to kind of like larger milestones you may have um, there's a new, maybe a new facet to your personality that you're unlocking and exploring or that you've been exploring that you actually feel really serious about, um, a new way of defining yourself, um, that may catch, you know, catch other people by surprise. Um, Pisces, this is in your 12th house. So I think a lot about mental health when I think about this, I think about isolation, um, as well as like where we're being like self um destructive but also a piece of this is where people are again going back to like hater transits where people are kind of plotting against you um and working against you and like having to go through the process of like you know loosening this hold that people outside of you have on you if that is even possible again the sun is not very well resourced when it is in an Aquari in aquarius Please do not take that personally. If you have an Aquarius sun, it has very different meanings when we're looking at somebody's chart. If you are an Aries, this would be your 11th house. So this is related to friendship. This is also related to um, political ideals, but also related to like hopes and dreams as well. And like, I think this is kind of where, <laughs> I just heard, gods are very funny. It's like where dreams go to die. <laughs> Or it's like, damn, this thing is just not possible right now. Um, and it could be that it's related to things in the opposite house, which is the fifth house. It could be related to like children. 
Um, and it's so funny as I'm doing this, I'm thinking about all the people in my life who have these placements. Taurus, is this happening in your 11th house or your 10th house? So this can be a lot of things related to your the tension between your uh, reputation and your outward career and outward calling and your personal life and maybe having to make some sort of private or personal sacrifice in order to move towards whatever is happening for you or whatever it is that you desire career-wise or the other way around. Um, the other, and yeah, I, I always notice like really interesting, again, reputation stuff happening. Um, this is also the house of the mother. So it can also be that these issues are manifesting there. Um, if you are a Gemini rising or Gemini sun, I don't care which one you use. It's fine. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just getting cranky because it's a little late. Um, the <laughs> This is happening in your ninth house. So it's about distant travel. Um, it's about philosophy. It's about religion. It's about adventures and expanding the mind. So you may be having having or had related issues related to like religion or certain philosophies that you believe in. I also find that lots of times issues with institutions, including government institutions, can also come up um, with this house too. If you're a cancer rising, you know, I the one thing I like to talk about when I talk about like the second and eighth house axis, this is happening in your eighth house, is um, these are the types of transits that either build or break trust because they, again, these houses are usually connected to money and resources. And so this is about inheritance. Maybe there has been, and this is also a house about death um, and loss and grief. And I think in a lot of ways you may be kind of experiencing, again, whether it could be like health, um, health of somebody losing a patriarchal figure in your family, um, health issues related to them, um, experiencing issues with debt, um, and maybe finding like, damn, we're at the beginning stages of a long process of unraveling these things can also be about the resources of a partner as well. If you are a Leo rising, this is happening in your seventh house of partnership, marriage, and one-on-one -on -one relationships. Um, in some instances, people say that this house is also connected to sexuality as well, which I would be inclined to agree with. Um, if you are a Virgo rising or sun, you're experiencing this in your sixth house. And this is a house that isn't related to health. Health is more specifically going to be the first house. So this is kind of more about sickness, illness. Um, this is also a house that's like related to like not getting your flowers or getting what it is that you deserve. So I definitely think, again, like hater shit is associated with the experiences of this house, um, experiencing health issues. Um, what is the other thing that I want to say here? Um, service. Yeah. Yeah. Libra, this is happening in your fifth house. So issues related to creativity, children, um, 
sex and sexuality as well as like sexual identity but also things related to gender identity i kind of see here as well fourth house scorpio hey hey family daddy private life you know but also how that is struggling how's that i guess opposite house too so again how that's connecting to your relationship to reputation your calling if you are a Sagittarius, this is about the mind, because this is in your third house, communication, your immediate environment, um, your neighborhood. I think there might be like a really big theme of stuckness for a lot of Sagittarians, um, Sagitt risings, um, feeling stuck in some kind of area of your life, feeling stuck where you are. And I also, like I've said before, this is like the host hostess house. So I think this is also a house where it's like where you have to play by somebody else's rules and where that can be difficult. Um, second house, who are we on? Who's the last one? Capricorn, sorry, Capricorn. This would be related to, again, back to what I was saying with cancer. This is the type of transits that either make or break relationships. So this can be issues with, um, or just not even necessarily issues, but like, this is talking about money. This is talking about your resources. These are the things that allow your life to life, if that makes sense. Do you have the resources to take care of your body, to maintain your sense of self, um, to contribute to your goals and your overall calling to the world? Do you have secure housing? Do you have food? You know those types of things um anyway okay we're done thank you so much for listening this week i hope you enjoy this the next one is going to be weird because it's going to be about mars square neptune and it's going to be really heady because we're going to talk about like postmodern theory so it's going to be a kind of more scripted <laughs> and we'll be like doing a cute little like time travel experience thing we're gonna talk about all the fucked up shit that was happening around the world cup because it was a as i like to say and as we like to say in white american vernacular english a wang dang doodle um it was a hell of a time and we're just gonna you know nepo babies we're just gonna we're really gonna get into it kardashian colloquium if you follow that account we're just gonna do all of the things it's gonna be great anyway thank you so much for listening this week since i've been gone i started a Substack, which is what i've kind of transitioned um everything to from my mailing list and so there i'm doing kind of more written pieces about astrology but also kind of like cultural to critique and talking about spirituality in general and then i also have a project entitled black speculative astrology that is talking about astrology blackness black futures black survival black joy black freedom through an afrofuturist lens and you can follow that i also just released a zine for that that's called the called elections to kill a slave kill your slave master um information about that is on my instagram um which is again you woman you and i think that's enough 
self-promotion for now. Check those things out. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome back. Um, yeah. And if there are other transits that you're like, ooh, Imani, I'm interested in this. Or even if it's something in your chart, please don't do specific placement. Do aspects. I love aspects. I love aspects. Doing a ASMR thing. Anyway, okay, that's enough. This is rambling now. Have a great day. Enjoy your Sun Saturn conjunction. And I will talk to you soon.